The Production Expert Podcast is brought to you with the kind support of Autoria, Source Elements, and RSPE Audio Solutions. Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast. I'm Julian Rogers, and in this week's edition, we've got a slightly different format because this is a follow-up to a great article that William Whitman wrote, uh, which was uh, called The Great Balance Mix-Off, and uh, I, I will leave it for others to explain exactly what it was if you haven't already seen it, but check it out. What we've done is uh, we have some of the people who guested on that article and contributed mixes uh, to come on the podcast uh, with William, and uh, uh, we can have a chat about issues raised and motivations and experiences and, and see where these things go. But um, I'm going to hand over to William now. So, William, um, hi, and uh, who is joining us today? Hi. So today we have my friends and talented, famous, award-winning and losing mixers, J.J. Blair and John N. Yellow. Um, and um, the jumping-off point for all of this was going back to a story from a long time ago of the idea of having to work just in the monitor mixer and how of, of a console where basically you had volume control, maybe stereo placement, maybe one effect, but basically nothing but balance to get your mix up in the monitors and sounding like something to work. And the idea was that just using balance, just using no processing on the individual tracks a mix could sound very much like my mix as opposed to John's mix as opposed to JJ's mix or whoever. And so we set up a little experiment that basically did that, that said here is a fairly simple little rock alternative kind of session. Make a mix with nothing but balance and stereo placement on. I think we allowed one reverb and one delay. And so... These guys, I hope, had some fun doing that, and we're going to chat a bit about how that worked and what we might have learned or not learned. <laughs> you know how just before we came came uh, onto the record, I was saying about how I wasn't going to interrupt. I've let myself down already. Uh, but I'm thinking before we get onto that, um, you mentioned the monitor mixer, and I think it might be worth just kind of like um, uh, refreshing people who who possibly haven't ever used a split board like that. I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to have used one. And uh, exactly what the monitor mixer means, what it uh, people who either haven't used... Um, haven't, <laughs> yes, it was often called the jukebox. So going back even a step beyond that, the jumping off point would have been back in analog tape days where now we're used to you open the session, the session opens and you, everything's set up pretty much where you left it, including the balance. But if you're working on analog tape, every time you walked into the room, you'd have to put the tape up on the machine and get a balance on which to work. So if you're going to do a vocal overdub, somebody had to put up a balance on the desk to listen to the previous tracks you're overdubbing over. And consoles, at least in the beginning, had a separate monitor section, a very simple mixer, often called the jukebox, um, that was nothing but balance and maybe one send to an effect and then sends to headphones. And that made you have to get a balance that sounded pretty good without being able to process individual tracks. Sure. So so while this was possibly to an extent a contrivance to set this uh, test up in, in 2023, historically it was a, 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 a relevant and necessary task that people did every day. That's what I was kind of trying to get back to. 
Yeah, and the heavy-handed point I was trying to make and am trying to make <laughs> is that hmm. the most important thing is still the balance. That even if I take away your ability to EQ things and compress things individually and put a bunch of effects on things, your mix is still going to sound like your mix and my mix is still going to sound like my mix. And those are the things that I think we can take away from this. I mean, at the very least, I see in the comments on the article that a lot of people have preferences. And one would think with only these minor differences, why should anybody have preferences? They should all be the same, but they're really not. Hmm. Indeed, indeed. So, I mean, so, and we have some of those mixes. We, we had... Um, we had three in the article, um, of, of which, uh, and this was a, a track that, that you you offered for the for the purpose. Um, maybe we should go over to uh, to those mixes and, and find out. I mean, uh, what their what their take on it was. And I'm taking over. Come on, William. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. I'm uh, crowding you out. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. But so then, yeah. Either one of you guys. What was your feeling about? First of all, the premise that balance is the most important thing. And, and how did you find sort of being handed tracks from me that you don't really have any individual control over? John? Um, well, I'll start by saying coincidentally last week or for, for not, not over the last you know two weeks, I mixed nine days at an artist's house and mixed on his API jukebox. Um, it's a solo record. He's in an alternative band that's very popular. But uh, he has the studio in his house, and uh, I've been mixing on that uh, um, uh, jukebox for, um, I don't know, maybe over 15 years. Um, and it's a trip. It really is. And uh, I think, Bill, when we, when we first started talking before we started doing this, you know, I was saying how, oh, you know, I couldn't, you know, he, he only had 16 channels working on the, um, on the jukebox, so I was kind of limited to what I could do. And uh, I, I mentioned the parallel compression and you immediately swatted me down and was like, ah, you don't need that stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> that was pretty typical of our conversations. But no, I, I agree with you guys. And, um, you know, I'm also, uh, you know, I'm older. I'm 63. And B Bill, I grew up working with you on a lot of projects. And, you know, I learned about the importance of balance from you. Um, I was never shy about uh, having to get a good balance and never worried about it. Um, it's just, you know, something we do. And I always appreciated the fact that it all depends on how you hear and what you hear. And that's what, you know, makes your balance sound like you did it. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's it's because it, I always said that you could give three or four different mixers the same tracks and it could be bass, drums and guitar and, you know, vocal. And they would all at the end of the day sound different just because of how people here and what they hear and what, what their priorities are. Yeah, JJ, do you have any feelings there? Well, I'm going to go to an old trope of mine, which is that, that I say ad nauseum, which is that once you reach a level of competency in, in this art or any art, really, or even uh, science or actually technique, it's, it's, once you reach competency, it becomes a point of opinion and taste, you know? And, and it's my, how, how loud do I think a snare should be in the mix? How, where, how loud do I think a vocal should be in the mix? And that's, and that's what really separates all of us. We all have different points of reference. And then, and on, on top of it, on any given day, my opinion is different from my opinion yesterday. You know, I frequently 
pull up a mix and go, what was I thinking that day? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, um, I, 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 I now regret that I, uh, failed to mute the bass, uh, on my mix. That would have been wonderful, but, uh, (laughs) but, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, I I think it's just when I'm mixing, mixing is 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 very much a, you know an emotional response to whatever I'm feeling at that moment, and and the level has everything to do with it, and it's just really about I'm, I'm trying to balance. Um, I, I always say that you know it's it's like uh, it's like impressionism because it's not going to be exactly it's not realism i'm trying to figure out what's what's going to give the impression of 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 all these instruments playing together and sounding like a unit and and fitting everything together and and then and then uh, i'm going to be emotionally reacting to what do i think needs to take importance and stand out and what needs to just sort of be felt and not necessarily heard and i don't know if i answered the question but there i, I yeah, just gave you I, something I, I think that i think that that's that's an experienced mixer talking to say that the most important, the only important thing is that emotional connection. I think it's it's common among the less experienced to think it's about fixing stuff and and following a model of how bright, you know, how bright should the snare drum be based on what other people's records sound like, as opposed to worrying about, thinking about, is the song making you cry or laugh or dance or whatever it's supposed to do? I think just the fact that you brought up emotion is the important part. Um, and and again, I think, personally, I think that the way you hear the balance is the mo- the biggest piece of that puzzle. As you said, how wet is everything? How dry is everything? How loud is the snare drum versus the bass drum versus the bass? Those things are idiosyncratic to each person and, to my mind, are the things that make your record sound like your record. Achoria has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps, and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes Delay Tape 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects, called the AudioFuse Creative Suite, is included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Visit Achoria.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. I, th- I think the taste thing is, uh, is super important. I mean, I always find with mixing, it's like the choices you make, you know, the effect you put on the lead guitar, the whatever, the the doubling of the vocal or not. Um, and, but it really is like having good taste and picking the right things is very important. So I, I do I do think taste is, you know, ultimate in, in what that scenario is. Yeah, and I should note that your mix was the only one where you chose to mute the guitar solo, so you exhibited extremely poor taste in that. <laughs> Did you hear that guitar solo? Hey. <laughs> you, you know, there's, this this goes to uh, a, a, a story that um, my friend uh, Nick Lorne told me about. Uh, he had he'd produced. Uh, uh, Closing time, that uh, mm-hmm. semisonic song, and they brought it to Bob Clearmountain to mix, and they'd put all this wonderful strings and stuff production on it, and Bob just said, "You know, I think this is guitar, bass, and drums," and uh, and Nick was Nick said, "You know, he was right," and and we we fought it because we'd spent all this time and effort on these strings and things, but he was right, and and that was and and. 
as a mixer, sometimes it's nice to have a, 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 a an outside opinion that's not unattached to to everything. Who doesn't have demoitis to just go? Here's what I feel, and and certain people uh, have better opinions than others, in my opinion. But sure, I I mean I think that's a reason why people sometimes go to an outside mixer that they feel like they've lost sight of the big picture and want want somebody else's input. It's not something I'm usually that comfortable with as a producer. I understand. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I'm enough well, of a control. Well, you set up your records to sound a certain way. I learned that from you, you know, three decades ago. Like your records are, you're recording with the mixing in mind. You know yeah. what I mean? So yes. every step of the way from basic tracks to overdubs to vocals, you're building it the way you want it to sound. Which, which um, makes a level only mix much easier, by the way. Exactly. Yeah, it was interesting to me because, um, you, John, you and I had worked together so much that your mix was probably the closest to what I might have done myself because I think... Not so much that your taste is the same as my taste, but because I think you probably looked at it and went, "Oh, I know what Whitman wants to do with these <laughs> with these high string guitars." You know, it's like somebody else might have thought you're really supposed to notice that you 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 said, "Oh no, that's a color." You know what right. I mean? That yeah. I think I think you you were mind reading a little bit. No, but, I mean I'm just like I said, we spent so much time in the control room together yeah. that I kind of listen. You know, not a hundred percent like you, but I, you know, I grew up listening with yeah, you in the room. You, so I, you I wish. No. But. Anyway, <laughs> um, I wish not. But no. Anyway, so um, yeah, I was going to say, you know, uh, you groomed me to be, but then that would go off the rails. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, so no, I, I think it's because yeah, because of all those years. I mean, I still uh, apply some of the stuff I learned from you in my. Uh, recording and production and um, and mixing um, stuff. So, but yeah, good. I'm glad. If I can jump in, I, I love that story about the the Bob Clear Mountain uh, semisonic uh, record, um, and um, and what we were saying about uh, about competence giving way to confidence and making decisions and 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 that sort of clarity. That's something that absolutely I sort of buy into. Um, what I was sort of uh, picking up on also was the use of the word demoisis. Because it had mm. occurred to me when you were talking about um, setting up these these balances, and of course, balance engineers. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure that's what uh, mix engineers used to be called back in the old days. Which well, yes, all, all, all recording engineers yeah. were called balance engineers, as opposed to the technical. Which buttons. is which is a uh, yeah a revealing Ta choice of words, but the tape op. Uh, but if we've yeah. got this, if we've got this um, uh, this first mix that people work to that uh, that I mean may change you know uh, over time because it's it's impermanent it, it it isn't recalled like it would be today yeah um, but this has got to I, I we've all had that that um experience where we do something the the musicians get used to hearing it a certain way and then if you change something they don't like it because it's different and that's presumably what you meant by demoitis about um the first impression carrying through just because it's familiar um so this is an important mix that we're setting up here surely Yes. I, I mean, I think we've also all probably had the experience of doing one of these as and printing a rough mix and proceeding down the road a couple of days or weeks or months. And then somebody saying, oh, remember rough mix three back from two weeks ago? Well, that's the one we want to put on the record. That happens. Yeah, <laughs> that happened to me. I mean, I happened to me on a drive by truckers record in the, in the zeros where. I just came in to mix and I mixed all the songs and the one song I was mixing that they could not get away from the rough mix. Yeah. I finally said to them, 
guys, let's listen to the rough mix again in the control room. And I listened to it and I put it through the compacts and I was like, you know what? Let's just use the rough mix and I'll just put my compression on it so it has a little more of a sense of what the, the other songs. And they were happy. You know, honestly, it's like, you know, chasing the demo or chasing the rough is sometimes excruciatingly painful and time-wasting. <laughs> I, I, I have a nice story that's replete with uh, lots of name drops. Cool. Um, <laughs> I was, I, I, I recently uh, mixed... Uh, uh, half a record for Smokey Robinson and we and I tracked the vocals with him on all those songs but there was one song in particular that uh somebody else had tracked and I I I swear to god I believe it was tracked in GarageBand and I wasn't terribly happy with the sound but I just kept making these roughs you know basically level up and uh and you know, it came time to print. He goes, run it. I'm like, I haven't mixed it yet. He goes, it sounds great. And I, here's name drop number two coming up. I was having lunch with Al Schmidt and I'm telling him this story and Al goes, you fucked up. You're always supposed to put something fucked up in the mix so they don't get attached to it. So, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, there's a track on, on the, Joan Osborne Relish album that is mastered from a cassette because the only copy of the rough mix that we decided to go with was on a cassette Joan had taken home overnight. So, wow, you never know. Who mastered that? Uh, George Marino. Nice. The Production Expert Podcast is made possible using Source Connect Now from Source Elements, the free way to record high quality audio over the internet. Need to record an interview or a podcast like this one remotely? With Source Connect Now, you can. Using a Chrome browser, you'll get ISDN equivalent quality audio without the need to install any additional software. Register for your free account at now.source-elements.com. Having been given the limitations that you were given, did you find yourself wishing you had more tools? And like, what's an example in this case of, gee, I wish I could have, I don't know, made the snare drum brighter or replaced the bass drum or what, or tuned the vocal or whatever it is. Were, were there things or did you sort of just get into it and eventually it all sounded all right to you? John? Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of, when you told me the rules, I just accepted the rules and I was like, this is like a fun challenge. You know what I mean? I didn't want to do anything else. I was just getting off on, you know what I mean, pushing the faders up. And, you know, I guess I had that one reverb you let us use, but yeah. I didn't even know how much I used that, to no, be I honest. No, I don't think a lot in yours. Yeah, yeah. I was like, fuck it. But no, I, I was actually very happy uh, to go back to, like, just sim simply, um, um, you know, simply balancing. And, and also, on a certain level... Because it was more like a contest where it didn't yeah. really matter. It was also very freeing. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't, you know, paranoid about the client, you know, giving me shit about the mix. Or well, anything. I want to come back to that. That's interesting. But JJ, how about you? Did you did you feel like there were things you wish you could have done well, outside just of the rules? Just because I'm, uh, you know, I'm addicted to compression. I'm, I'm yeah. sure that I. I would have liked a little compression on something just because it's a sound I like. Right. But uh, I, I felt I didn't really need, you know, I, I, I wasn't feeling like, oh, man, I, I wish I could high pass all this. Yeah, that's the sort of thing I'm asking. So it wasn't like, oh, damn, I'll never get this bass to sound right because... No, it, it, it you know, and, I, and, and look, I, I, I've... 
my ears have listened to so many records from the 50s and 60s where their options were were yeah so limited no pun intended but uh you know and that was but again that was one thing they did have back then was compression um and and it is a sound that i'm used to yeah but but most often printed as would have been in the case of the tracks i sent you you know correct. what i mean that, yeah correct exactly. yeah but also getting the bass quote unquote right is what is right you know what i mean it's it's not like I don't well, know. I, I mean, right to your ears. I mean, right. were you were you suffering with any aspects because of the limitations? I mean, I was suffering with the constant emails you were sending me to get on my ass and do the mix. But besides that, that, I had yeah. a good time. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then let's come back. Let's come back to what John said about the client being happy. So, if I were to say. I'm going to take your mix, either of you, and we're going to put it out on the record. I'm going to send it off to mastering, and this is this is the record. Would you go, oh, my God, you can't use that. It's my crappy rough. Or would you say, yes, I'm perfectly happy with that. That sounds like me. I'd say yes. I mean, that's the whole thing. If you were hiring me and I did the mix and you liked it, mm-hmm. but even with the restrictions, if you said to me, John, this is the direction we're going for for this single— and I did mm-hmm. it, and you liked it. I feel like I did my job. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, well, I, I think uh, that's that's a professional attitude. Yeah, so which uh, which is so un- unlike you in some. I way. know. Well, I'm trying. You know, still, I'm still damaged. JJ, um, JJ, same thing. Would you well, would you no. be happy to have your name on this? <clears throat> it, it. I I ask myself, who's going to hear this record? Honestly, because <laughs> because <laughs> I've had I've had uh, you know so many uh, opinions on uh, social media that there are a lot of people who want to hear something that they can point to and go, see that guy sucks. Right. Yes. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well. So. Well. Okay. But let's assume it was. Let's assume it was by some freak going to be a big thing I and mean, it was going to get a lot of attention. Let's say it was going to put this in succession. You know what I mean? It was going to be some place where it was really in a spotlight. Would you Would you feel uncomfortable with it? I, 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 if I hear something that I don't like, I will say, can I just touch yeah. something up a little bit and keep it Basically, and 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 that is the the wonderful thing of of Pro Tools this the uh, these days. And and I will point out that I have, um, except for my output chain, uh, yeah. I I have moved to moving to, to mixing completely in the box because people expect recallability. Yeah. Well, me too. Me too. For example, and, and, and I have yeah. learned how to make re- what I think are really good sounding mixes in the box which i don't think was possible you know a number of years ago but specifically for that reason and i just you know i just got an email yesterday like hey listen to mix from you know 1823 uh can we get the vocal level back to there and all i have to do is is you know yeah this this is a task that i mean i think about the tools that are available that one might miss and i mean you can always have more of stuff but you yeah know, you make the point that if you've got a fader you've got a pan pot you've got a reverb you've got a delay you you, you you know you you're most of the way there if the stuff that you've got is already tidy and already sorted and what i wanted to ask was i mean this track that you were mixing i haven't heard the before um, how much how much was printed on the way? I mean, was was this like you know the sound of something um, ca- as captured by a microphone, or we, was it going through some processing b- before it was printed? Uh, no, it's not going through any processing in the box. If that's what you mean, I mean there there were things that were recorded through an analog 
compressor on the way in, that which is, is the way the way I, mean. I would record. Mm. And things are EQ, drums are certainly EQ'd going sure. to. So you're prepping stuff yeah. because I mean, an awful lot of people, um, uh, certainly with a sort of DOW mentality, will capture stuff with a view to doing everything pre. And there's a whole debate about should you commit sound, should you leave options open. There well, are allow me to, on both allow sides, me to but... allow me to settle that debate. Yes, you should commit. Uh, and uh, absolutely, especially now. <laughs> Yeah. And, and we're in a position where decisions get get deferred all the way to mastering. Um, so, you know, it's kind of, yeah, but this yeah absolutely. But this is the thing that if you grew up in an era where you were putting that tape up every day in the monitor mixer, you couldn't say, I'm going to fix the bass drum sound every day. You just would push up that fader and the bass drum sound better be there. And so mm. we got in the habit of... EQing it to tape, compressing to tape, whatever you were going to do, the sound on ta on tape mm. is the sound of the record as it develops. I still think that's a better way to work because it informs your decisions mm. down the road. Right. Even if that means you've stuck the plug on, plug in on and you're going to leave it, it's the that's different than putting off decisions. I don't care if the decision is in the box or before the box, but I'm in favor of making the decision mm -hmm. so that yeah. later on you know what you're doing. I, and, I and wish that, I could say I do that, but I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll make an exception for Gates because, you know, <laughs> we've, uh -huh. we've, that, we've that all decision, been bitten by that. But. That, that decision also affects the performance. Yeah. And I think that's important. You know, exactly. I'll, I'll just say like people go, well, why do you com why do you compress the vocal on the way in? Because well, not only because it's the sound I want, because it helps the the singer sound better and feel and feel more confident in their singing, for example. Hmm. Um, as well as you know, if 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 they're playing inside the record, as opposed to they're playing inside of just a bunch of mics sitting around picking up random sounds, they're they're going to have a, a different performance than they would. Uh, otherwise totally yeah. I, I mean to, to take an extreme example you wouldn't play power chords with a clean direct guitar knowing I'm going to put an amp sim on later you wouldn't play <laughs> this is, you wouldn't this is true, you yes. wouldn't play it that right that way and it's, uh, exactly. the, same, and it's exactly the same with a vocal uh, exactly and if you else. said to if you said to the edge it's fine just track the guitar we'll put the delay on afterwards yeah. it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> RSPE Audio Solutions design, sell, and install professional audio and video equipment. Their team are available by phone, live chat, or email to receive and process orders. They have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio to ensure you can continue to work from home. If there is anything they can do to help, reach out or shop online at rspeaudio.com. But, uh, but also back to the mixing, you know, I, I'm not a, uh, I'm, I'm not a fan. Like when I'm mixing, I want to mix. I don't want to fix. Fixing yeah. gets me out of the out of, out of the mode of mixing because it's not creative yeah. and, like you said, emotional. It's like you know, a hammer and nails, and why is this all fucked up? Or, um, but but also uh, with the thing with the tracking uh, about using EQ and if, if there's a delay on a guitar and stuff when you're basic tracking. And the band comes in or the artist comes in to hear the take. I mean, you kind of want them to get off on it. You yeah. know, you, you don't want to leave a lot of options for later. You want them to be really psyched to go out there and do the next song. And, and if, if and if you're leaving a lot of stuff to fix later, you're not getting off on the shit the way you should. Mm. So I think that's super important. I agree. And I, I also think there's, you know, it's that thing of it's just one more record. You know, it's not honestly 
make or break, which is not to say I ever want to make a bad record, but whatever decision you make, it's not going to destroy the artist's career or your career or anybody else's. Right. It's just one choice that you made. And next time, make a different choice. But, right. but locking into it isn't going to ruin anything. I think people tend to be so afraid of a decision. I, I just don't get it. I, uh, absolutely, I totally see where you're coming from, and 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 nervousness around making decisions ultimately means that that work doesn't get done, and yeah. and work doesn't get created, and yeah, a, a flawed song that exists is far better than than a perfect song that doesn't. So, <laughs> um, so the other question I wanted to ask was uh, in in these mixes, how how much how much was uh, was it uh, a moving mix compared to a static mix if you see what i mean mm. uh, what got changed how much some kind of idea about that presumably presumably something moved at some point but uh, any comments from the uh... yeah that's interesting i don't know if that's the case did you guys use automation both of you jj i'm well i i i'm recording this right now so i can't look at the session but my uh -huh. recollection is as i did have some automation yeah. to because and, and it's more about I like to create a dynamic within yeah. the song. No, it was it was allowed in the rules, even though it wouldn't be a monitor mix thing. But you might have been sitting at the monitor mix yeah. changing things, so we allowed for that. Yeah. I was just curious if you did. John, did you automate? Yeah, I, I I don't remember specifically, but yeah, yeah. I think I think I fucked around with the twelve the acoustic twelve strings. strings. I moved them around a little bit, and you know I might have pushed a couple of snare fills and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I definitely did some moving around. I mean, I just tend to do that anyway. You yeah. Know? That's just how I hear shit. Speaking of moving around, uh, Bill, did I did I send you my Atmos version of the song? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nicely done. Yeah, yeah, but I could only listen in uh, Apple uh, spatial audio, so it didn't sound very good. <laughs> so, so uh, I, I'm curious. We've touched on the idea, or I've touched on the idea of of record sounding like your sound, my sound, your mix, my mix. Do you guys think you have a sound? I mean, do you think people say, oh, yeah, I can tell John mix that or I can tell JJ mix that? Um, I mean, I, I think I have a sound, but I'm not. You know, I'm I'm not dogmatic about this. Is what I I, I yeah. I'll approach I'll approach everything differently. But someone has commented to me like they can tell who my mixing influences are more mm -hmm. more opposed to like that sounds like a JJ mix. Okay, and John, yeah. I mean, think it I I tend to feel like my purpose is is to take what the band sounds like or artist and make it sound better. I know. Well, we'd all probably say that. But 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 I will but, also. But don't don't you think? Because I think you do have well, an identity. Well, I wasn't yourself. finished. Okay. Um. But 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 the point is, I have a bunch of people and and a bunch of kids, uh, guys on or, or women on uh, Facebook or messaging or whatever when they hear something I worked on, like Hop Along. I had one person comment and go, "I should have guessed this was you. It sounds like one of your records." Yeah. There you so go. I guess. I guess on a certain level, people do feel that way, but I never look at it like, I don't feel like I was like, you know, Todd Rundgren who had the stamp that you knew it was his thing, you know. Yeah, but he may feel the way we do too, that he's just trying to make the best yeah. record and, and that happens to be the way yeah. he hears it, which again right. was my overarching point that right. I think our records sound like our records because of the way we hear those relationships, yeah. whether we think about it that way or not. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I, I think that a common thread for me will be uh, the sound and the importance of the vocal. That is a sure. very common thing yeah. for me. That's huge. 
I just this was funny when you said that, just because it reminds me of uh, something that I used to say about myself, which was a joke. But like most jokes, there's an element of truth in them, which I used to say, you can always tell a mix I've done because it's swamped in reverb and the toms are too loud. And (laughs) Actually, that sounds like a mix I'd like to hear anyway, so that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Can the toms actually ever be too loud? No, probably not. (laughs) I've... I've correctly guessed who who mastered something by how much I hated it. Wow! <laughs> oh, can I guess who it is? No, oh, you can't. No, okay. No, no, no. <laughs> all, all I knew is all I knew was like, oh, here comes the chorus. Why does it? Why did it get so small all of a sudden? Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a limiter and I'm going to use it. Yes. So um, time's getting on. So it's been a really interesting task and a really interesting discussion afterwards. So, I mean, thank you so much uh, to William for sorting it out, uh, for JJ and John for joining us um, to discuss um, the task and uh, and other things. But uh, that's about all we've got time for this week. So uh, we'll be back next week with another edition of the Production Expert Podcast.